Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. There are two things that we must do tonight before the word. And the first one, if you hear tonight, and, and this is a family moment, and Rebecca's going to highlight it to you in a moment. If you are here and you are in financial need, you need a job, you need a promotion, you've got a train, slow motion train wreck happening with your finances, you find yourself in debt, you find yourself in a difficult place. I've got a verse for you. And this is what it is. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. We want to help carry your burdens tonight by praying strength for you, by praying for miracles for you, and one other thing, and Loretta is going to tell us and then pray. So if that's you, why don't you stand? We're going to pray for you. If you need financial breakthrough, you need a job, you need a miracle, you need strength for what you're facing, please stand. Thank you, Father. Thank you for, for being courageous and vulnerable and embracing this family moment. Something that we, we uh, felt really strongly in, in the morning that we felt like is appropriate for us uh, now also was uh, uh, we, we are such a giving family. Uh, we are such a giving community. And, uh, and, and every Sunday, uh, many of us are giving uh, uh, into, the, into the offering for the benefit of the work of the Lord. Uh, we, we, we wanted to extend that, that, um, that generosity back to you. So what we're going to be doing after um, the service, as you head out, there will be um, some ushers, and they're going to have in, 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 in baskets the very offering that you gave today. Um, we're going to have, so what we're asking you to do is, if you have need, please, on your way out, this is a no-questions-asked policy. Please go and help yourself to whatever is in those baskets. Um, no shame if you have need. No questions. Um, please, please go and, and, um, and, and uh, let us be a blessing to you also uh, as, as we pray. So, Father, we thank you uh, that you love us. We thank you that you place us in family. And even uh, as we're standing uh, in recognition of financial need, Lord, we, we also recognize that you've placed us in family as part of that solution. And so we embrace community, we embrace family, and I stand with everybody who is trusting you for breakthrough financially, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would cover them, that you would be their God to them. We thank you that we know we're praying your will, which is to provide, because that is who you have revealed yourself to be, is the God who provides. And so this is an easy prayer, that you would provide for every single person who is trusting you for breakthrough. Be there, the, the, the God who goes before them and bashes down the doors and fights on their behalf. That they would have peace and the anxiety would lower. And I just, I just pray, Father, that even now that, that, that they, would, they would sense that sense of peace coming over them. And the, the anxiety levels going down as they know that you have got them covered. And that you are doing warfare, waging warfare on their behalf. 
that they can sleep at night knowing that you are the God who neither sleeps nor slumbers and that you are the God who protects them, that the sun will not strike them by day nor the moon by night, that evil will not have its way with them because they're your children. You have a good future for them, a future filled with hope, goodness, abundance, and blessing. We, we speak it over them. We bless them with these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The second thing that I must do tonight This is embarrassing, it's awkward, but it's right. There are many churches, there are many pastors who have not covered themselves with honor in how they have handled finances. And they've used the gospel to advance their own financial well-being. I'm embarrassed about that. And I know what happens. It causes a questioning, maybe a cynicism, a hurt, a jadedness in the area of finances. So that if ever anybody speaks on finances, you're just going, yeah, yeah, whatever. We've got our AGM on Tuesday night. And I want to say in this house, we do our utmost to steward with the greatest integrity what you give so generously. Um, There's a verse where Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, we were careful in the administration of the gift to do what was right, not only in the eyes of God, but also in the eyes of man. So we've got a financial advisory board, all businessmen and women. We've got a remuneration committee, all businessmen and women. Nobody sets their own salary, and there's integrity, and you can ask questions about anything if you're a member. So... (laughs) I don't believe it's, I'm not aware of anything happening in Every Nation, Rosebank or Joburg. But I do know that it's happened in many places and it's caused hurt and pain. And I am so sorry for that. And I repent on behalf of my brothers if, if all of them are my brothers. I mean, sometimes I'm wondering if I will see them in heaven. <laughs> Just to be honest. But let me pray. Father, where where the church has misrepresented, where pastors have pursued money instead of souls and life, Lord, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, I pray for your people here where they have been hurt and disappointed and disillusioned, Lord, that, that you would heal their hearts, Lord God. Maybe it's even happened to them. Lord, that we would not have bruises in this area, but we'd be fresh and we'd have hearts that are instructed by your word and not by negative experiences. Lord, forgive us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the Gospel of Leviticus. (laughs) And we are in the third last session. And uh, you're in for a treat next week and the week after as we finish. The gospel, rather, according to Leviticus. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about God's goodness and his generosity. And and look particularly at the people of Israel. Now, I want you to imagine 600,000 men with their wives and children. It's about 3 million to 3.5 million people walking out of Egypt into the desert. It's about to be the United Nations' biggest humanitarian disaster that they've ever had. Three and a half million people, no food, no water, no nothing. 
the quartermaster general of the U.S. Army said to feed that many people, you'd need two trains, each two kilometers long, carrying 1,500 tons per day to feed those people. Then you'd need about 4,000 tons of wood to cook the food. And then if you've got about three million people, I don't know how much water they need, maybe four liters, because it's pretty hot, you know, 40 degrees centigrade. Maybe you need four liters, so that's three million times four, 12 million, that's 12,000 tons. I mean, it's unbelievable how much would be needed to feed them. So there's a big problem, right? But God. Doesn't matter how bad the mess seems to be. Doesn't matter how much of a miracle you need. If God is with you, it's nothing for him. And look what they have. Or look what they have, what they don't have. They've got no schools. And the only people that were educated were the Egyptians or Moses, who they thought was an Egyptian. So there's no education. There's no literacy. They've got no government. They've been oppressed and ruled over by the Egyptians. They've got no economy. They've left it all behind. They were making the pyramids for the Egyptians. No army. They weren't allowed to have any military equipment or tools. No industry. No agriculture, although they did take a few cattle and sheep out with them. They've got no religious system. I mean, this is a mess. What do they have? They have a welfare mentality. Egypt must provide. So much so that at times they said, let's go back to Egypt, even though we were slaves, because we long for the leeks, onion, and garlic, and we're happy to be enslaved again. They've got a slave mindset instead of the mindset of a, of a son or a daughter. They've been traumatized. They've been victimized. They need healing in their hearts and their minds and their souls. And they've got a hugely undeveloped social system. This is what Lander Cope says in a book, The Old Testament Template. They are the largest, most undeveloped mass of people that ever existed. Can you imagine? So what does God do? God begins to build them up. And he, he instructs them in, in all the different spheres. He gives them government. Don't believe the Greeks. Okay, my wife's caught to Greek, half Greek. It wasn't the Greeks who invented democracy. Okay, thousands of years before that. God says, Deuteronomy 1 verse 13, Choose wise and understanding and knowledgeable men from amongst your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you see, if you read Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Exodus, God putting government in place. And he begins to deal with the mindsets in the people about economics, and he teaches them about diligence in work, because before they were just forced to work, and limiting their personal debt, and eliminating poverty. And you're going to love one of these verses now. Leviticus 25, it says, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves amongst you, help them so that they can continue to live amongst you. Do not take interest or profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live amongst you. Okay, now the next one, this is, it. This is awesome for everybody except for our brothers and sisters who work for the banks. At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. Halala, <laughs> there should be no poor amongst you. Who of you say amen to that verse? 
And we'll hear about the Jubilee year as well, either next week or the week after. So God begins to do it. He begins to talk to them about, about family, because they don't know. And he says to them, respect your mother and father. And he, and he builds it into their souls. And he talks to them about sexual morality. Do not have sex relations with your, mother's wife, your neighbor's wife, and, and, and. And he imparts to them about how you should educate your children and the basics of healthcare and science and the arts and social welfare. And so he begins to, to build them up into a people. Did you know this? That Jewish people make up 0.2% of the entire population of the world. But they have won 22.5% of all Nobel Prizes. Okay? It's like a hundredfold you know, overperformance. And they haven't even received the Messiah, although many have, but they haven't received the Messiah. But they're following God's laws and instructions which just bring life and bring health. So what's God's heart in all of this? The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, so remember they're still in the desert, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm giving to you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. Okay, it's for next week or the week after. Then he says, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue. In other words, your milling, turning your milly mill or your wheat, you know, into, that you can cook with it, you can bake with it. Your threshing will continue until the grape harvest. And the great grape harvest will continue until planting. And you'll eat all the food you want and live safely in the land. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild animals or beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you will chase 10,000. It's like a Marvel movie, right? And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. And I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you have to move it out to make room for the new. Wouldn't you like it? You've got so much food that you have to put stuff into the, into the shed because just, it's overwhelming you. I will put my dwelling place amongst you. I will not abhor you. I won't hate you. I won't despise you. Won't look down on you because of your sin. I will walk amongst you and be your God, and you'll be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, so you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with your heads held high, gave you dignity. Isn't this beautiful to hear the heart of God for the Israelites? But it's not just for the Israelites. Look what it says in the New Testament. Look what God says for you and I today. The beloved disciple or apostle John, he uses the word beloved a lot himself. He says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. It starts on the inside as we surrender our lives to Jesus. And it's like a seed that grows. And he's saying, as you're prospering inside, as your heart is being transformed, as your mind is being transformed, your taste buds for what you used to go after is transformed. I pray that you would prosper not just inside, but in all things, in your relationships, in your finances, in your calling, in your career, in your finances, in, in every single way. 
Jesus says this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. You know you've got an enemy who wants to tempt you and wipe you out and steal from you and kill. But we've got one far greater than all of that. His name is Jesus. And he has come that you and I would have life and life abundantly. This is his heart. This is his offer. This, this is what is available for us. So what is God's path for the Israelites? He sets them free. And my laptop had frozen. He sets them free from slavery. Conquers the enemies. He's fed them. He's revealed himself to them. He's taught them to, to love God, to love their neighbor. He's given them his word and instructed them in the different spheres of economics and education and business and everything. He's shown them true worship. He's shown them right living. He's shown them how to be kind to the poor, to live holy. He gives them land. And then in chapter 27, the last chapter of Leviticus, he imparts to them one more principle. He's saying like, in the light of everything I've given to you, I want to give you one more thing. But before I tell you what that is, I want to ask you, what happened to the Levites? Okay, so God gives land to everybody. Okay, so there's a map. Gives to Reuben, you can see Reuben, Simeon, second born, Naphtali, Issachar, Asher, Gad, Dan, Zebulun, and then you've got the two sons of Joseph, or sorry, the, Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, you've got Benjamin. But there's one tribe that's left out. Levi, or the Levites. Today, they make up 8% of the Jewish population. Did you know that? The Levites. And do you know anybody with any of these surnames? Levi, Horovitz, Epstein, Rabinovitz. That means they descended from the Levites. And if they're from the high priestly caste, in other words, within the Levites, then their name would be Cohen or Kaplan or Katz. And there's other surnames like Gerson or Gershwin, also Levites. So I met my old Jewish friend. We studied together. We've been friends for 40 years. Um, very successful businessman. And uh, his name is Howard Rabinovitz. So I said to him, Howard, did you know you're a Levite? He's like, what? He says, you know, somebody once told me something. This was on Friday. Somebody once told me. I said to him, yes, you're a Levite. I said to him, but did you know you don't get land? And he said, I knew it. <laughs> but he, he was so appreciative of me, like kind of telling him his heritage, because we all want to know who we are, right? That uh, we're eating at the grill house. He paid for the meal at the end of the day. He was so happy. So help people find their identity, and you'll see the blessing that comes. So this is what he says to the Levites. You ask, what about the Levites? You shall have no inheritance in the land, nor shall you have any portion amongst them. I am your portion and your inheritance amongst the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 18. I know we're in Leviticus, but I'm using best verses just for time. The Levitical priests, indeed the whole tribe of Levi, are to have no allotment or inheritance with Israel. They shall live on the food offerings presented to the Lord, for that is their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance amongst their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. 
So, all of these other tribes, the 11 tribes, they are given land. And what is land? It's productive resources, right? In those days, productive resources, land. You can mine or you can farm. And for the Levites, there's nothing. So what does God say right at the end? This is the very last verses of Leviticus. He says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. In other words, you've got this little thing, you like it, um, you want to keep it, then God's saying, well, add a fifth to it, add 20%, and give that in money. Then he says, every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal, in other words, count them, and when you get to number 10, it will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick the good from the bad. In other words, don't take the ugly sheep and give it to God. Just take the tenth one, whatever it is. Every time a tenth arrives. And don't make any substitution. If anyone does make substitution, both the animal and its substitutes become holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses at Mount Sinai for the Israelites. So he's, he's blessed them. He's provided for them. He's built them up into a nation. He's given them this land flowing with milk and honey. And he's renewed their minds and taken them from a slave mindset into a son mindset. And I was giving him one more impartation, and that is be generous and tithe. Now, what is a tithe? Okay, we understand it's 10%, but, but is it worship? Is it missional? Or is it welfare? Is it for, for the help of the Levites? Let's go to God's word. Matthew 23 verse 13 says this, talking about the offerings. Its grain offering shall then be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma. We read time and time again from the offering of Abel. Here and on we go. How the offerings that were brought before the Lord were a fragrant, soothing, joyful offering. God saw the heart of Abel. He sees us as we bring an offering, and it's like worship to him. I don't know if you've ever heard this in church, and I know I've made this mistake. It's like, ah, oh, that was awesome. I'm sorry we've, we're stopping worship. Meanwhile, worship is, <laughs> worship is our bodies presented to him as living sacrifices. Worship is what we do Monday through to Friday, what we do with our lives, the kindness, the goodness. And worship is our substance. Giving of our finances is worship to God. It's a soothing aroma. In 1 Chronicles, I just imagine God's people coming and their, their barns are full and they've got a bounty and, and this is the admonition to them, the encouragement. Give to the Lord families of the, of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. There's a sense of joy and worship and come before God and worship Him and honor Him and do it with an offering. In Philippians 4 verse 18, Paul's talking about the gift that he's received from the Philippian church. And he says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, he was the courier, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And it's not about how big it is. You give according to what you have. 
But when you bring it and you come with faith and, and that right heart, it's beautiful in God's sight. Acts 10 verse 31, it says, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before the Lord. And it's like what he gave and his prayers came up before the Lord as a beautiful, sweet, fragrant offering. Now this morning, Nicola and I had a, a mild disagreement. It was very mild. We had a bit of banter. Okay, and I want to assure you, we're good. We love each other. You know? We only have disagreeable conversations about like one in 20. You know? So that's good. So she'd bought me this white t-shirt, and she said, um, just a normal white t-shirt, and she said to me, I'm keeping it for when we go on holiday, you know, because you get stains on your t-shirts, and it's a white t-shirt. So, so I said to her this morning, please could I have that t-shirt, because I know it's not holiday yet, because, you know, the rest of the stuff I need to iron, and I want to get to the prayer meeting at quarter to eight this morning, so please could I... So she goes, no. So I said, oh, just forget it then, you know. So I go brush my teeth, and then, and then she goes and gets the T-shirt, but she, like, throws it across the bed, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, no, forget about the T-shirt, you know. So I'm starting to act childish now, you know. Just, like, forget it, you know. Just, you know, if you're going to have that attitude, just don't give me the T-shirt, you know. Then she says, take the T-shirt. So then I say to her, okay, give it to me with a smile. <laughs> give me the T-shirt with a smile. So she goes, <laughs> so I took the t-shirt, <laughs> and I told it this morning, and she t still took me home for lunch th this afternoon. Aww. But the point is this, and I was being a little bit childish, I know, but I don't want her t-shirt if she's doing the long face, right? We don't know if you tithe or not. Did you know that? We don't... We don't look, we, we don't check the bank statement. There's big walls between pastors and the, fi and the finance people. Um, we don't know. What you do is between you and God. It's worship unto God. Don't give because the pastor told you to. Give because you're doing it as worship unto God. Because it's in the word of God. And you're doing it unto him with a smile. Not begrudging it, oh, I have to pay tax to belong to this club. It's not tax and it's not a club. You give it because you are grateful. You give it as worship unto him. So firstly, I believe a tithe and offering is worship. Secondly, it's for the mission. It's for welfare. This is what it says in 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders, or you could say pastors, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor. And honor in those days was equated with finances, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. I just want to say this. The end of today's service is not an offering. I just want to calm any nerves. Okay? There's no offering going to be taken today, except you're going to help yourself if you need to as you go. And then it says, For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Do you understand that analogy? In those days, you'd have a, two big stones, you'd put your grain or your barley, and it would be crushed and ground into wheat so you could use it. And this ox that's pulling these stones to crush, sometimes some of the grain or whatever would fall onto the ground in front of it, and he would bend down and, and eat some of it. And then he would be sustained, the poor old ox, and he would keep going. 
Your pastors in this analogy are the oxen. Your leaders. And it's saying don't muzzle them. Don't stop them from being sustained. And it says, and the laborer deserves his wages. We pray for your prosperity. We pray for your finances. We are believing for it. But I pray you'd also carry in your heart a desire for the mission. That we would plant more churches. That we would make sure that I'm not technically part of this church. I'm not a pastor here, but that Pastor Simon and Pastor Greg and Pastor Loreco and, and all of them would prosper. And there'd be enough for them. It says this in Galatians 6. Let the one who's taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Okay, that tonight means you're the guys who are being taught the word. Okay, and you're supposed to share with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. The one who sows to the flesh, from the flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, even though there's been things that have disappointed you. Even though there's a delay. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who have the household of faith. What I believe, I believe our giving is meant to be for worship. But it's also meant to be for the welfare of the house that God has brought you in. And for the leaders and the workers and the people who make it happen. Now, in a sense, you are priests as well. Okay, sort of talk. We, we are royal priests to the holy nation. But even the priests in the Old Testament, they gave to the high priests. They gave to the ones who are going into the Holy of Holies. The Levites, rather, gave to the priestly caste. So even as, as you consider yourself a priest, that doesn't absolve you from giving to the ministers and to those who, Ephesians 4, equip the saints for works of service. Now, let me say this. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. I know it's been touched on. Um, COVID has affected the church finances. And uh, the decision has been made by the Rosebank leaders to cut the salaries of the Rosebank team by 10%. So that's happened. They are in faith. They are called to do what they're doing. And they are pressing on. And don't feel sorry for them, but... But if you've got enough and you've got an ability, then care for them and help them. They're in faith. They trust in God. But can, can we care for them? Can we share all good things with them? Can we recognize that they are worthy and that the laborer deserves his wages? For some of you might say to me, and rightly, but is tithing New Testament? And I'm not going to try to give a complete um, exegesis on this and I was once doing a discover every nation and great man said to me look do we have to believe in tithing to be part of this church and my answer to him was no but this is what I do believe if you're going to follow proper biblical exegesis for a New Testament believer either you consider that 10% belongs to God or you consider that everything belongs to God yeah. <laughs> it's really and, and you just a steward of it. That's an image of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is probably one of Israel's greatest marketing successes. Who of you have ever been to the Dead Sea? It's horrible. <laughs> hey, Rob, didn't you find it horrible? 
You've got these salts, okay? It is so vicious. I mean, you can't get any of that water in your eye. Right? You float because it's dense, but it's hot water and salts are coming in your arm. It's like, I wish I'd gone there in a wetsuit with goggles. Okay? So the Dead Sea is dead because it's full of salts. Stuff comes into the Dead Sea, but nothing goes out. 200 kilometers upstream, up the Jordan, you've got the beautiful Sea of Galilee. It's receiving and it's giving. It's receiving and giving. What should our attitude be? Our attitude should be the same. Not that we hold on to everything that we can, but we walk by faith. Where we have need, we trust God and we labor and we express our need. But also we are giving. It was John Wesley who said this, it's not how much money will I give to God, but rather how much of God's money, how much of God's money will I keep for myself? Luke 6 says, given it will be given to you. Heading for a close. Where you put your energy, where you put your time, what you think about, and where you put your treasure, that's where your heart goes. Let me say that again. Where you're putting your focus, where you're putting your energy, where you're putting your passions, where you're putting your time, and where you're putting your, your finances, that's where your heart will go. I pray for all of us that our treasure is in the hands of God, that our treasure is in the things of God, because I want my heart to be in good places. I don't want to be pursuing money. I don't want to be pursuing wealth. I want to be pursuing the things of God. Last slide. To build a nation, this broken people, these refugees in the desert, he laid out principles and practices and institutions and laws, and he did mighty miracles for them, and he delivered them, and he raised up a nation. God wants to do the same for us as his church. And he gives us principles of generosity. And whether you believe in tithing or you just believe in giving a whole lot as God prospers you, fine with that. But the generosity ultimately and giving, it's about our faith. It's about our love for God and our love for our neighbors and our love for our pastors. And it's about our worship unto God. Worship isn't just singing, but it's about every aspect of our lives. Can we pray together, please? Let's bow our heads. Father, as we prayed before, I pray again for the prosperity of your people. Lord, that they would prosper in all things, even as their soul prospers. Even as they give their hearts to you, you would bless them body, soul, spirit, relationally, financially, mental health in every area. Father, where the church has disillusioned and hurt them and caused them to be jaded in this area, I pray for healing. And even that this word would renew their hearts and minds. And, and from this word would come a newfound attitude to worship you, Lord God. To worship you not just with song, 
but with their finances. Be it, be it just one rand, Lord God. Be it small, Lord God. May they worship you with their finances. And as they do, Lord God, may they see your blessings, your favor, and your abundance, Lord God. I pray for worship in this area. I pray for love to be expressed in this area, and I pray for faith to be expressed in this area. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. I thank you.